I have a question. Are are we recording? Are we recording? Is this like the podcast? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Here we go. Uh, this, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see <laughs> Seth's point. Um. Okay, so let's talk about this this interracial um uh article. I want to pull it back up. Yeah, so just to clarify, the article isn't actually primarily about Bob Jones' interracial dating. No, it's, it's about uh, LGBTQ relationships and whether or not you can actually truly love a person while condemning their relationships. But I tie in the Bob Jones stuff because it's just such a close parallel, in my opinion. Sure. Well, <laughs> let's let's talk about that question. Can you truly love someone while condemning their relationship? Love being defined as uh, an action rather than a feeling and a doing benefit rather than causing harm. No, I don't believe you can. Okay. It's mm, a very short answer. Alert. I've written a whole article, obviously, on uh, yes, yes. You know, get into that. But, uh, that but I mean, when it comes that. down to it, it's it's just one of these fundamental things. Uh, you know, uh, we've, we've seen all these studies on, you know, just the psychological damaging uh, how psychologically damaging it is to not affirm people and how how much do we need that. And especially when we're talking about something as fundamental as an identity and a relationship, uh, withholding our affirmation of people, especially the people who are supposed to be closest to us and we're supposed to love the most, that is so damaging. And that is why suicide rates are so high among LGBTQ people. Um, it it simply is not loving to withhold that from them. And of course, there's a whole slew of biblical, uh, you know, the clobber passages and whatnot to work through and all these reasons that people give for that. And, you know, we could spend a long time going through those if we wanted to, but it, that's, I don't know if that's probably not what we're no, no. here to talk about tonight. I, I, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me, the, uh, the, the, the parallel I draw being African-American is I got in a conversation with a family member and said, and and they said, you know, I love them. I just don't accept their lifestyle. And I said, what would you say if someone said that about an interracial, you know, a, a, um, marriage? And they would say, I would call that person racist. And I'm like, okay, so I hope you don't mind it if I call you slightly bigoted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's a different different specific instance, but it's the same kind of mentality going into it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. And then it turned into the best family barbecue ever after right. that. Right. Was that the, the follow-up? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I struggle because I'm I'm becoming more progressive, and we're going to get to one of your new articles, uh, Jesus is a Socialist, or was a Socialist, is was, however you want to the- theologically convey that. But... <laughs> But yeah, th- th- was this the title? I do believe he still is today, yes. but talking about him in, in context of the canonical gospels, so past tense makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So this is the struggle that that I'm having today. That many Christians are having today is that we're becoming more progressive. I know for me, I'm becoming more progressive because the answers and the framework that traditions give um they weren't good enough if if that makes any sense totally um, yeah and so 
I tried to I tried to write it down in such a way where I put um I'm a, I'm a, I'm a progressive because traditions and politics and scripture weren't answering the questions about God about His love and the excuses for the failings like oh this was a cultural thing in the time or the, the answers that, that they tried to answer things away with um, weren't working so you know one of my big ones was. You say Jesus hates homosexuality, but or Paul will say hates homosexuality, but he seems to affirm slavery and polygamy. How do you answer that? Um, and he also affirms, you know, females shutting the heck up in church. And they would say, oh, you have to read those in context. I'm like, what if I read everything in context? What's sort of my thought? Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, that last one you highlighted, the uh, the fundamentalist background I come from, women should be silent in church. Oh, yeah. You know, it's... it's it's still that's still very much a thing. Do do you guys practice head coverings? I mean, as a, as a as a Protestant, I feel like we're all silent in church for the most part. I mean, yeah. um, well, I I attended a Plymouth Brethren church for a while. This is not my my family's background, but I was a part of that for a while, where they did do head coverings and all that, and like complete silence during the church service. Uh, my own parents' fundamentalist background, it wasn't like no head coverings and not like women literally couldn't talk at all, but very much against women having a teaching position within the church other than teaching kids. That was apparently okay. Yeah. Yeah. For some arbitrary reason. At, at Liberty, it was, they're not teaching you in, in convocation. They're, um, they, they use some other phrase, they use some synonym for teaching that they were doing. They're encouraging you. And so we allow the occasional female to come and encourage you in convocation. And by the way, convocation is not church. So there, you know, case closed. And it was just all these weird, like theological, like acrobatics in order to make whatever work or to excuse oh, yeah. whatever sin. Yeah. I mean, anytime you come up with these ridiculous frameworks that you have to operate it within, you also have to build in a million loopholes to actually be able to operate. I mean, no one follows these crazy things completely and entirely. What was the first mm. card? That's what we call it, the Liberty <laughs> yeah, Way. We, ours is called, yeah. <laughs> code of, what, Code of Conduct? I, I yeah, I broke the uh, Liberty Way a few times. <laughs> I, I did, because I covered my head with hair. Long, long Yeah, you hair. have dreads. Mm -hmm. Um, what was the first couple cards to kind of come tumbling down for you, Chuck? Uh, one of the very first things that, uh, set my parents off was my understanding of church and how we do church, what it means to actually be the church instead of just going to church. Um, I ended up reading, uh, Frank Viola's Pagan mm -hmm. Christianity. I don't know if you guys are mm -hmm. familiar with that at all, but, uh. Basically, it's arguing for a house church, organic church kind of model. Um, and so I was uh, pretty into that for a while. My parents sort of freaked out about that because, you know, there's no single head pastor. And, you know, where's where's your authority you're supposed to be under and all this sort of stuff. Um, that, that was one of the first big things. And then the one that really started getting me in trouble was uh, when my views on health started shifting. And I started considering at that time considering the possibility of annihilationism or conditionalism uh instead of eternal conscious torment and uh yeah that where, was fun where do you stand now with <laughs> with uh heaven and hell 
Uh, hopeful universalist would probably be the the best broad category to put me in. Um, I would say that's where I'm at. I, I get that. I guess. <clears throat> yeah, my my absolute conviction is on the loving character of God, and on the belief that God. Uh, desires all to be saved and will do everything possible to bring about that salvation. Whether or not mankind's free will uh, will be possible to thwart God's love, you know, whether some can continue resisting indefinitely or potentially until they uh, resist themselves into non-existence, sure. essentially. I don't have a definitive answer on that. You know, that's just kind of one of these mysteries between free will and and God's love. But uh, I certainly believe 100% in God's character that God desires. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, a little bit of it is if you have an all-powerful God who claims to love everyone, and again, he's all-powerful, then he can do what he wants. Um, call it call it weird. Sure. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then when you when you get to talking about God being all powerful, that's kind of another can of worms, and uh, I don't exactly believe that per the traditional way of understanding it. Um, uh, you can add. Yeah. I believe that wow. because God is. Uh, is that after you saw Thor, you were like, "Wait a minute, this guy, this guy has lightning from a hammer." What's that? Jeez. I missed something. I, there. Oh, the movie Thor. You ever see Thor? I have seen Avengers? Thor. Yeah. I I was just wondering, like, if that was like the moment where you're like, wait a minute, this guy calls himself a god, and he has lightning from his hands. <laughs> that was when I became Norse. Gotcha. A Norse like a little, Christian. Little <laughs> <laughs> um, why do you think? Um, why do you think some people hold on to traditions so tightly? without questions that is a great question could could i actually yeah, circle yeah, back for a second mm -hmm. on god and control because i kind of stopped halfway there and uh anyway so the, the what i believe about god's control is that god is love as god's very essence and that <clears throat> love honors consent love does not coerce or manipulate uh and that restrains literally what God is able to do. Um, if I can throw another book recommendation out there, uh, Thomas J. Ord's The Uncontrolling Love of God is what really dives into this sort of framework. And he just came out with a, another one called God Can't that I've only skimmed it so far, but really good Do you stuff have any blog uh, that you can point um, people to addressing this as well? Any of yours? Um, I haven't, like dived into the topic as a whole uh i did a review of another book uh by a friend of mine mark karras who wrote a book called divine echoes which is all about uh prayer within this context and what it means to pray to god within this context uh, <clears throat> and so i i reviewed that book and i kind of pushed back a little bit and ha had a little bit of a dialogue going about that so some tangential stuff but i haven't just dived into the yeah. the full framework of this um, definitely recommend the uncontrolling love of God, though, if anyone's interested in that. Man, that's interesting. Uncoursed. My, I mean, first, I, I think, I guess, I would say personally, I'm 
I think I'm getting to a phase where I'm much more comfortable in the mystery. Um, like I'm, I, I, I still have a curiosity, but I think it's sure. Uh, I, I guess, I guess what I, what I would say is like, I'm now walking and looking at God and saying, Hey, no spoilers, please. No spoilers. <laughs> Tell me when I get there. But I, when I, when I think of like his love being uncoursed, I, I think it makes me, I, I think about my children and I'm like, you know what? Having gone through you know, as a father, seeing the birth experience, I feel like bringing people into the world, you're pretty much coerced in, right? Like, it's, I know it, it's like you're welcoming them with love, but you're definitely like, and the birth canal go. It's, there's a lot of pushing, yeah. a lot of shoving, babies crying, a lot of feelings in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Is coercion there? Maybe. We certainly don't get the chance to consent to be born. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, man. Yeah. I, I heard about a guy actually recently is on the news, um, literally yeah, suing his India, parents right? for, for for birthing him without his consent. I, I don't know how that turned out, but heard that headline man. recently. <laughs> so, kudos to that kid. I don't. I mean, what what are you gonna do? Before we get to the the whole thing of Jesus being a a socialist or the take on it, um, let's. Uh, why do you think there's so much pushback on that? Like, why do you think there are so many that um, I found two? I found two things they do. Uh, one is they say Jesus was way above politics. Um, I ask people to 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 skim or read your your. Um, your blog and then come back to me. And so some people said, um, Jesus is so above politics that, you know, this is kind of a re ridiculous thought. And then other people said, um, I, I'll, I'll read a couple of those off, but uh, the, the, the typical, the, the general question is why do you think um, we hold some of these tr traditions so tightly, especially the right wing conservative Jesus? white Jesus. So when we're talking about this topic in particular, I mean, any, any of these topics, but this one in particular, I think there is a huge amount of fear and misunderstanding surrounding it. <clears throat> you know, socialism in particular, uh, thanks to Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign, it's kind of becoming more mainstream, but <clears throat> still today, and certainly for a long time before now, socialism has been this scary boogeyman of an idea that no one really understands correctly and <clears throat> it's just this major scare tactic to keep people happy with the concept of capitalism and how things are going because oh it could be so much worse if we were under a socialist nation um but really when you start talking to people about this sort of stuff they they just don't understand what socialism's about and they point to you know the worst imaginable examples that don't actually represent socialism accurately at all uh Venezuela, Venezuela. <laughs> that's that's definitely <laughs> the the example of the day yeah you know venezuela uh it's not fully socialistic it's it's um it's, it's not even close to it and there's been more or less yeah and there's been so much u.s interference that you know it, it hasn't even had the chance to become a socialist nation on its own it's there's so much corruption going on 
You know, it's it's just not anything comparable to what democratic socialists in particular are talking about uh, with the vision we would have for America and where we think we could go with that. Okay. Hmm. And then, uh, so Jesus being above politics. Yeah, I hear that one a lot. Um, and I kind of went through a apolitical stage for a while myself. For me, it was coming out of uber-conservative Christianity that was linked arm-in-arm arm with the GOP. And <clears throat> I was basically just coming to see, you know, how much of a problem that was and how idolatrous it had become. You know, especially under Trump, we've seen this just everywhere, just rampant, how much many, not all, but many conservative Christians are just willing to completely hand over their supposed family values that they've been fighting for this whole time in the name of their political party and keeping their guy in office. Uh, Let's say eight out of ten. Eight, eight out of ten. Well, yeah, 80, 80, 86% of the evangelicals of evan evangelicals voted for Trump, white evangelicals. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. When you mentioned when you mentioned this phase that you went through, uh, I think you mentioned it in your article. I think you called it a, a libertarian phase. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know quite a few people in that libertarian phase. Can you well, tell so, me how did you well, get well, out actually, of it? Actually, be, be, before how you got out of it, <laughs> well, I, I would like to know what it is. Like, what, what was originally appealing to it, and. Um, because I had some of these people read and, and write questions, I do have a libertarian question too. I don't know if you've seen the one on, on it. Um, actually, go go ahead and I'll, I'll come back to the question. Um, what was appealing about the libertarian phase, and how did you get out of it? Okay, so my libertarian phase predated my apolitical phase, and for me at that point. I was basically, politically speaking, um, definitely theologically speaking, uh, very conservative. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of civil rights, basically, uh, I wasn't okay with, I, I was becoming less okay anyway, with using conservative Christian moral values to legislate what other people do in their bedroom mm -hmm. and anywhere else. So... I was still, you know, fiscally conservative and all of that. I basically just wanted to say, you know, who other people marry, I can disagree with it, but I don't think I need to legislate it. Uh, and that was what was appealing to me about libertarianism. You know, it's basically just about letting everyone do their thing and not having big government interference. Gotcha. Um, so how would you leave that? Like, what, what, what was that like? I'll call it an aha moment for lack of a better word. <laughs> right? I'm not biased. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's... Well, I, I think that was just one of kind of the gradual things, you know? So I, again, I was coming from extreme conservatism to sort of this libertarian thing. And then for a while, like I said, I was apolitical, you know, just kind of seeing all of this idolatry between uh, the church and political parties. And I basically just wanted to opt out of all of it for a while. Uh, I also, I consider myself a neo-Anabaptist. Um, and Anabaptism historically has this very distinct separation of church and state. You know, the, really the Anabaptists were the ones who came up with the idea of separation of church and state back in the, the Reformation era where church and state were politically as fused as they, they possibly could be. Right? Um, 
Anabaptist, pacifist, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so Anabaptists historically, even in America, have tended to have more of a removed from politics sort of idea. And, you know, my, my thinking was Jesus is Lord, and so I'm just going to look to him, and I'm not going to worry so much about the politics around me. And, you know, that that sounded really good for a while. And I mentioned the article. I think it was a, a healthy place for me to detox, yep. that I needed that personally. But the problem is, and really it was when Trump got elected. And uh, can, can I curse in this podcast? When all the shit started going down after he got elected, that I just, my eyes were open to just how much pain and suffering can be caused by bad politics. And therefore how important it is for me to be an active force in that and to use my voice and my vote and whatever influence I have to make sure good politics are being put in place that actually help people on the ground. That's, that's well said. Mm. So libertarians, yes. um, it's interesting because many libertarians, especially Christian libertarians I talk to, they see the constitution as somewhat inspired uh and inspired um sure is, is that fair and inspired if it light. is fair fair why why do you think that they see it as inspired yeah i mean i, I definitely don't think any christian would call it inspired but i have seen so many people and i used to be this way too who treat it more or less as an inspired document you know it's it's the same way we fundamentalist Christians would parse out the Bible and the little letter of the law is what uh, what defines our actions in the same way you go to the Constitution. Um, and everything we do just has to be dictated by what these people happened to write a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. That seems really, well, really silly inspired, Like Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like, I mean, coming from uh, where they did... I think the founding fathers did a pretty good job setting up this government. You know, I, I don't have any huge Slavery. complaints about it, but they were also, yeah, they were all slaveholders, mostly all slaveholders anyway. And, you know, it's <clears throat> uh, centuries old. You know, we live in a different world today. They're going to be rebranded as capitalist eventually, and, uh, you know, literally owning the means of production. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's not like we haven't had plenty of amendments already. You know, people act like the Constitution is what it was when the Founding Fathers wrote it, and that we can never change something because it's in the Constitution. Well, no, that's that's literally what all these pile of amendments are about, is changing the Constitution to keep up with the times. So I have a friend who who responded to that, and he said, I, I try to follow the, the idea that all men are created equal. Um, and I, I pushed back a little bit and said, you know, and, he, and he's like, yeah, Thomas Jefferson was great when he said that. I said, and I said back to him, but Thomas Jefferson was raping one of his slaves, uh, had slaves, um, and, you know, and just he, he had so many holes. And my friend's response was, was this, well, never mind how flawed Thomas Jefferson is, and, and this is a, a response for many conservatives, never mind how flawed John Kelvin was or Augustine was or any of these church heroes, mm -hmm. just think about the heart of what they were trying to say. And at the end of it, he said, 
if we follow the constitution, this ideal all men are created equal, then isn't that better than socialism? And I was like, the ideal of socialism or socialism? And he's like, and he, I think that was as much as his brain could take at, at, at that moment. But do you have any, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, socialism is the ultimate expression of all people being created equal. You know, that's, that's literally equalizing everyone is entirely from start to finish, you know, what socialism is about. I don't understand at all how he could come away with the idea that socialism is somehow yeah. opposed to that. Um, okay. Well, great. Um, I have a, I'm thinking how to phrase this. So I, myself, I wouldn't call myself a socialism, a socialist, but I, but, um, I'm definitely progressive and there are a lot of things that Bernie says and does that resonate with what I want the government to look like. Um, I would, you know, if some people kind of give a pushback and say, well, Scandinavia is not really a democratic socialism. I'm like, fine, well, let's call it a mixed economies or, or, or whatever. Um, and so as I lean that way, um, I guess my question is this. Um, if a better system comes up that looks more like what's in scripture, um, would you detach yourself from that quote unquote socialism one? And then, and then whatever the new one is, let's call it, um, Stevenism. Uh, <laughs> would you follow that? And call me and call me King Steve. Sure. Okay, totally. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> my, um, uh my whole political journey has been one step after another shifting over to what I see as at the moment, to the best of my understanding as being most in line with, uh, the, the love ethic of Jesus. Well, I, I wouldn't have really felt called it the love ethic or followed it in that way back then, but what I thought Jesus was te teaching at that time, um, socialism is and democratic socialism in particular. Uh, I believe that is about as in line with Jesus teachings, as I think a uh, political party or ideology could be for our day and age. But I'm not at all tied necessarily to that particular thing so much as wanting to make sure that all these kingdom of God principles, the poor being fed and people being healed and all, all these things that were so important to Jesus, I want to make sure that those things yeah. are being done. I think socialism democratic socialism is a very good way to do that but the the label you know is that, not the most important thing to me that makes me that makes me think about uh tradition and the way it's being held on to and the way that it, people are fighting back and it makes me wonder if what is actually happening is people aren't instead of trying to follow christ and applying what he did to uh, the things that he uh, supported and, and uh, mentioned in his parables, applying that today and I guess ignoring what it means. Like, if, well, if it means that we have to, you know, empty out the banks and turn them into strip malls, so be it. But it, it, I feel like there's a fear around, um, actually letting letting go of what what came before i guess i i wonder um do you think 
that there is that is there a way to help people feel free to um read their bible and really apply like hey listen jesus is pretty straightforward <laughs> in his in his storytelling um how, how do you think we could uh help people along when it goes against their traditions yeah um man th there's so much of just a an inherent mindset there <clears throat> you know the the essential divide between conservatism and progressivism you know one is all about conserving these past traditions and the way it's always been is the best way and we're going to keep it that way versus wanting progress and let's let's keep re-examining stuff and let's make sure things are uh, being done the best way they can be for our day and age um and honestly i don't i don't know how to get someone to shift from one ideology or another um well so many of the conversations it's you know for, for me i've kind of always had the well i wouldn't have called myself a progressive back in my conservative days i really have always had that mindset of let's keep examining stuff let's keep testing stuff let's get rid of what doesn't work and let's keep what does work let's keep moving forward and that has kind of brought me to this point but if people simply have that mindset of let's conserve what we've had and not move forward um and of course even that it's they don't really do that they conserve what's like 200 years old because they're they're not they're not holding to uh things from way we, back when but yeah Anyway, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a really good question, and I don't have a super great answer. So going back to the whole ideal of libertarianism, um, they, they cherry pick a little bit. They say, well, this country was ours, and then it was corrupted. And then if you bring in um, Native Americans, they're like, well, there was a war slash genocide. You know, and so then you're like, so you're purposely starting it at the birth of America, but but failing to say that you had to kill a lot of people in order to start this country. And so totally, but I, I'm with you there um, at this sort of relentless pursuit of what is working best. Um, how do I best understand God? How do I understand what's culture context and what things are, are meant to be passed from generation to generation? So, um, yeah. yeah, sorry, Josh, were you trying to say something else? No, so go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to throw in another one of the questions because again, these guys took a little bit of time to, to do it and I really appreciate it because they, um, they brought in views that I no longer have and feel so foreign to me now. Um, but, um, one person put this, my initial response is even if Jesus was a socialist, it doesn't mean that the state, being U.S., should be socialist. Um, socialism could work in the church, um, but it won't work in a secular state. It's human nature to abuse a system like socialism. Um, so basically, then he ends it with, even if Jesus was a socialist, um, I don't think a secular government could pull it off. Please don't look at Scandinavia. I'll put in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, that's one of the, the big objections is that, you know, we shouldn't <clears throat> put Jesus ideas into politics. And to that, I would just say, you know, are you being involved with politics at all? You know, if, 
if someone's saying this is coming from a complete apolitical standpoint and they don't think we should be involved in politics whatsoever, then at least you're being consistent. But if you believe in politics and if you believe in advocating for the good of the nation and uh, putting in place any sort of policies that are seeking justice, um, even as simple as having speed limits, you know, if you believe that, that government and having these things is good to some extent, then it doesn't make any sense to say that I believe government can be good and beneficial and I believe Jesus, I am a Christian, therefore I look to him for everything, but I don't think his political ideas would work in politics. That that just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, you, you could be honest and just say, hey, I think Jesus was wrong in politics. You know, that's, that's a reasonable so, position to take. I don't think many Christians would be honest mm -hmm. enough to say that, but you, you could be a Christian and say, I believe in Jesus' theology. I just don't think he had good politics. But I've never heard anyone admit to that. <laughs> At least no Christian. I mean, he was assassinated by the state. I... <laughs> Maybe if he could do a little bit more, I'll call it magic for the... I'm going to put quotes under magic just so I don't offend anyone. <laughs> Sorry. I've gone off, off the rails. Um, interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, Josh, I'm, I'm almost wrapping up here. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm I'm really enjoying this. This is, again, Man. challenging me to dig back into my faith and and everything else. Um, welcome. Welcome back to the dig. Let's get to the Bible nerd questions. Um, in your in your uh, socialist um, article, you mentioned the year of Jubilee, which I think is, I mean, it's kind of tossed around a little bit, but I don't like, A, could you explain the year of Jubilee just for our listeners? And uh, the second part to that, let's call it B, is how has this, this kind of amazing thing not really been talked about? Like, I, I think there's more literature on the prayer of Jabez than the year of Jubilee. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm far from an expert on the year of Jubilee. I'm just going to give my basic you're, summary. You're ex expert. But uh, the the basic idea, the basic idea is that in in the Old Testament law, uh, it was supposed to be that every fifty years, or every fifty years, or every fiftieth fiftieth year, one of the two, um, all land that was sold was supposed to be restored to the original owner. Um, debts were supposed to be canceled. There was to be a pause on farming to allow the land to recover. Uh, and basically everything was supposed to go back to, uh, you know, land proportioned evenly out among the families so that everyone has uh, exactly what they need. And, you know, this, this would obviously affect the whole economic system because if you're selling your land close to the year of Jubilee, it's going to be sold for less than it would uh, further out. You know, but everything was considered more of a, a lease, I guess than a permanent transfer of ownership. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I'm i not 100% on this. Again, I'm not an expert on, on this particular subject, but I mean, I'm not really much of an expert in any of these subjects. I'm just starting a conversation. But- uh, Hey, welcome, welcome to podcast, no expertise <laughs> here. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I understand, I believe I've heard that this was basically never actually practiced uh, in in the, the history of the Hebrews. Um, that it was always in there in, in their law and it was supposed to happen. But for one reason or another, people just ended up holding on to the land and this stuff didn't get restored. And uh, despite its being there, 
uh, it just didn't happen, which that's too bad because I think it would have been pretty awesome. I mean, it's still a God ordained law. Yeah. Sure. I mean, depending on how you want to go about looking at the, the inspiration of those things and whatnot, but that's a different topic. We'll say for now. Yes. (laughs) This was a directly God ordained law. This is the Bible nerd. Uh, portion of our podcast so feel free, so, feel free to dive in i mean yeah i i don't know that i would say that the old testament law was necessarily like certainly not dictated by god i think god's influence is okay, all throughout yeah. it but uh it's definitely a god influence i, I, I guess what i'm way. what i'm what i'm saying is it's yeah i i we can talk about inspiration and dictation and all that stuff um it's 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 more so what we see the heart of God and how he wants government to be per se than, and I dare say, than the constitution. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. But not seeing it as like Moses's uh, policy agenda for his campaign to uh, beat out Baal <laughs> and the golden calf. Um, do you, have you studied anything about um, Zedekiah? at all i don't believe it's, i have no that's no no it's, it's diet it, i'd love yeah, to hear a little it's, summary it's basically of it, um well you, you see sort of 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 um murmurs of it when james says uh pure and faultless religion is to look after the orphans and the widows um when um i want to say ruth goes um and and gleans the corners of the orchards after the, the pickers go through they're allowed to, to go through once again mm-hmm. and so it's basically that god w- did have this welfare system um in place and the poor were to be looked after the alien who came to the land was to be taken care of because they were once aliens and so the the, the sure. jews still practice that on some level today um and it's sort of um not sort of it it it's something that to to say to a someone sometimes I when, when I do have discussions with right wing people I, that want to use the Bible as a way and and, and want to use capitalism and uh, don't want to help the poor I and, um, I often say if you really want to take a biblical model um, God was actually always helping the poor um, in government not just through churches and not just through volunteerism or whatever uh, phrase they want to use so, yeah totally yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, you know, that's that's the the main argument against the libertarian idea is that individuals by themselves and even the church by itself simply can't provide the kind of care that so many people need. You know, we can do some and we certainly should do some. Every individual in every church should do what they can on their own. But if we really want to solve these broad systematic issues you need the government to involve it. And people talk about the government like it's this big, scary other thing. We live in a democracy. We are the government. You know, it's it, we're not talking about handing over power to these other people. We're talking about taking power into our own hands and establishing our country ourselves in a way that is just for all of us. You know, that's that's all we mean when we talk about the government. Have you, this isn't a Bible thing, but uh, Josh actually started, put, put me onto this, but have you read, um, is it Anande? Gerardius, Josh, the book "Winner Takes oh, All." Oh my gosh, how how dare you put me on the spot? Uh, <laughs> I I don't recognize. 
that pronunciation of whatever that is or that title. No, let's just let's just admit that that pronunciation oh, yeah. is most definitely wrong. Okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll send you a link anyway. But the, the the thesis behind the book is basically what you're saying is, um, it's not about us against them. We are the government, and we should want good government. Um, and yeah, be careful about cutting certain government. F- funds and projects because no business can do well while being um while their funds are being cut so sure um yeah, yeah. um it's 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 a, it's a good read and um it's it's challenged me to uh hold the gov- the government better accountable for who they are and what they do so uh that's it for me josh you want to you have, do you have another uh question amen I have I have one Bring last on. question. I have one last question. All right. <laughs> the way that you ended your article in uh, for the, Jesus was a socialist. Tell me the truth. When you asked for people to uh, spread, you know, uh, share the article and ended it with uh, "Thank you, comrade." <laughs> trolling, not trolling. <laughs> It's a joke more than anything, you know. I actually, I I do like the the term comrade. It's a good gender neutral uh, expression of familiarity and friendship and comradeship, you know. Uh, But it's it's not really a term I tend to use very much. I just thought it would be funny to to round it off that way. Mm, mm, Yeah, no, I I thought I thought it was hilarious. I think some of the people we shared it with, um, yeah, I. I, I saw Thinking, a handful I mean, of I, comments kind of freaked out about from it. from time and time. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I it's a great it. article. I it thoroughly. Thank um, you. That I, yeah, I, I think I think you you um, the one thing that I I didn't see. So I think one person had a question in jest and said, "Show me where Jesus um, quotes in the Bible that that, that uh, community should own the means of." production but i mean he was just being stupid um yeah well and i actually specifically mentioned at the beginning of the article that jesus doesn't comment on that anywhere that i'm aware of but that it's the other principles of socialism like fair distribution of wealth yeah it's all throughout it so um yeah again this is the biggest challenge it's getting people that don't ask questions, don't ask good faith questions. I, I, I saw some of your posts where people said, I didn't read it, but I don't like what you said. Um, <laughs> yep. I, you know, th- that's the challenge is how do you ask a question in good faith and then give me a response um, based not off of, you know, um, a Fox News or some old school soundbite, but, but give me a response based off of, the Bible or something else, you know, and, um, and sure. I haven't figured that out yet. Like we, uh, I, I, I would love to talk to you again sometime, but, um, but yeah, I mean, if you ever figure out how to have people have good faith arguments, um, let me know. I believe calling them comrade <laughs> is a great start. Yeah. Just kind of sets go. the tone comrade. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on. This has well, been a thank you for having me. Discussion. We should do it I've again. Enjoyed it. Yeah, we should. And um, can you? Uh, well, if this joke doesn't land, just cut it. Um, I'm sure you have plenty of. Fr- 
Definitely not cutting it now. <laughs> um, I, we had a great time. I, I for one, uh, I've been following you for a little bit and happy to call you friend. So if you ever need um, anyone to vouch for your uh, your blackness, uh, Josh and I will. Yeah. Mm. Listen, I, I can't give those cards out as <laughs> quickly as Steve does because I had a bad experience one time. But after your fourth time on on fourth the podcast, I, I will Man. I will uh, put put something in the in the mail. You gotta you gotta make you know him earn it. You gotta make him earn it. This it's gotta be worth something. Chuck, do you have any place uh, that uh, people can? Follow you, read you if you're there, you know. Sure, yeah. The, more. the blog is the main place. Uh, if you just go to hippieheretic.com, it'll redirect you there. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter. And yeah. Awesome. Just uh, search, awesome. searching my name, Chuck McKnight. Either of those places will bring it up. All right, Chuck McKnight. Thanks for coming on. And uh, now for some things off the record. 